building company. So David, we're here at spring training. Uh, you knew I had to ask this, but <laughs> obviously a, you know, a lot is on the table with the A's uh, in terms of the move to Las Vegas um, and a lot of uncertainty over the next few years you know, beyond this one. So how do you navigate that internally with your players and, and, and guiding them through that uncertainty? Well, I think the one thing the players have done really well is block out a lot of that distraction. They're, they're really good at focusing on what's in front of them and what's on the field. As a front office, it's, it's obviously a big part of our conversation and how we build the roster going forward. Um, but I trust that Mark and his staff are able to help the players you know, block that stuff out. Hanging out at Stadium Swim, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Thursday, DeMond's back in studio. He is the company. It's Cofield out here at Stadium Swim. Uh, I assume, DeMond, that was the uh, GM of the Oakland A's. I hope I'm right on that. Is that correct? Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, we want to get to what the A's were talking about the last couple of days with regards to the uncertainty, because it sounds like, uh, well, they know what's going on, but they can at least pretend like, hey, we're confused as, as everyone else. So it's Cofield and company. We have had such good luck, DeMond, out here. At Stadium Swim, it's been like 65 degrees every time we're out here. And we started doing the shows at Circa Las Vegas about five weeks ago. And it is beautiful every time we're here. The sun is blaring. You want to come out, hang out with us. They got uh, a good crowd here, real good crowd. And about the warmest day we've had so far. So hang out at Stadium Swim. We'll tell you all the stuff that's coming up in terms of events here. If you don't know about Stadium Swim, Massive complex, bodies of water, right? Heated, and about the most spectacular video wall you're ever going to see. So what they do at Stadium Swim is they host a bunch of different viewing parties. Uh, we're going to have one on a couple of Saturdays that we're working with Circa, and that is going to be a Vegas Golden Knights viewing party. So we'll have more news for that or on that for you when uh, Mike Palm from Circa is in in the 4 o'clock hour. But loaded show today, so let's get to it. Damon, we're trying to pick up the enthusiasm every day for the Las Vegas A's. We don't know if they're going to be the Las Vegas A's, but we're trying to do it every day, have a positive attitude. But you and I have noticed something the last couple of days, and that is that the A's have been virtually completely inactive in free agency. And I started beating this drum about two months ago because the way baseball exists now there's the high-dollar players, a bunch of teams jump in on those guys, and they get premium dollars. The league got completely duped. I think a lot of it outs is due to laziness and a lack of juice in terms of being competitive. So you had multiple Japanese players available, superstars like Otani, and then you have these unbelievably creative deals that anyone could have done. The Dodgers did it, and then everyone tries to put out this message that, well, the Dodgers, man, they're evil. No, you're just lazy. But in conjunction with that, I also mentioned there is a middle class of players because baseball is not colluding. I think baseball is smartened up that only the elite of the elite will get three, four, five-year deals. Now there's a lot of guys who are pretty good baseball players in that middle class who are available for one and two years, and that's exactly where the A's could reside. And we saw the Royals pick up like seven guys in three weeks, all on good deals. Nothing crazy money-wise. And then they signed their future star in Bobby Witt because that's what you do when you're in the medium-sized market. By the way, there's no such thing as small markets. Cut it out. Everyone can have a payroll of $120 million. Baseball shares the money. They take it from the big boys. They get it from TV. Plenty of money. 
You could have a real payroll. And then I was looking forward to the second round of free agency, Demond, and we're seeing guys go off the board. And we're not talking superstars. We're talking 400 at-bat guys, 15 homers, 60 ribs, you know, give you a 270 average. Maybe some of them are good with the on-base percentage. You sign some of those guys and you build things up while the A's are trying to develop their farm system. Geloff came up last year. He was very good. You know, they're, they're trying to develop. They're very short on pitching. I thought they could have augmented with the pitching. And now we see guys like Tim Anderson, who's been a really good player, is only 30 years old. He's been down a couple of years. And others signing for next to nothing. One-year deals. Maybe a second-year option. And then we hear from the A's GM, David Forst, Listen, we have one more year left to play in our current stadium, then three more years of uncertainty, and all of that affects what we can and will do on the field. Okay. I also think that includes off the field, and I think it's a it's a weird excuse for a lack of activity because of the mess that you guys created. Isn't that something, Steve, that should been a should have been accounted for when a team is preparing for such a big move? What are we going to tell potential free agents? How is that going to affect our free agency spending? Yes! Yeah, yeah, when, we, yes. when we go to a big-name free agents, hey, we, we have these guys on our board. Hey, we'll sign you to maybe a three-year deal and a player option when we get to Vegas. But it sounds like from Forrest that they didn't think of any of this, that this is all on the fly. Of We'll figure it out once we get there, if we get there. There doesn't seem to be a plan in place. I mean, I guess I could accuse them of being evil geniuses and having this all plotted out and they just drop it on us. But no, they're not organized. And we've seen that with the, the local stadium news, no renderings. There is no plan. So, I, I mean, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they do talk to their own players and their futures. And is it just a homina, homina, homina? Like, what do they tell them? <laughs> or do they just lie through their teeth and the players will look at them like, we play here. We know how you guys speak. Just tell us you have no plan. It's all up in the air. And then a part of the clip in, from the open is, hey, how do the, the players do a good job of blocking out the distractions? Why is it a distraction? You're making it a distraction. The organization <laughs> yeah. is making it a distraction. Right. All the players, but they're doing a good job. I don't think that – I know that it's different circumstances – but I don't think for Derek Carr, let's say, you know, those last couple of seasons in Oakland, I don't think it was a distraction where it's, hey, Derek, how are you going to – what do you think about the Vegas move? It's, no, I'm, I'm here to play football for the Raiders, and we know that we're moving to Vegas in a couple of years. Right. These A's players, they don't know anything. No idea. Expect the unexpected, and expect it probably to be underwhelming and disappointing. Uh, the MLBPA, Players Association Chief, Tony Clark – of the A's situation, uh, talked about the A's temporary home decision. He said it needs to get done. Players need to understand and appreciate both in the near term and longer term as they make decisions about the careers, what tomorrow is going to look like in that regard. Listen, in, in a world uh, that the rest of us live in, you know what our bosses can tell us about future plans? Nothing. You know what we can do about it? Nothing. But we are not highly coveted individuals, and I'm not trying to insult people in the audience. You know the way it works. When you're in rank and file, you're easily replaceable. When you are one of 
hundreds or maybe into the low thousands if you want to count the entire organization, add them all up around baseball, you're a coveted figure. Uh, your patience is only going to last so long, and then you can bounce somewhere else. So Tony Clark is all over it, and this is a lot of what we talked about with the A's. Are, I, I think the A's are playing games by pitting. They think they're pitting Vegas against Oakland, against Salt Lake, against Sacramento. So now they've got four cities. Three of them are Ertz. The other one, I think, is in La La Land, Salt Lake. But as they play these games, I think most of us know what's going on. Is this what they want? Do they want coverage from four markets? It was sort of a hidden story, even though it's a big market in Oakland, that wasn't really being covered. Now that we're on board, I can see the reaction in Sacramento. They're getting annoyed by it. Salt Lake is involved. It's the beginning of the baseball season, so now all the national writers are paying attention, and they're like, wait, this wasn't all answered and determined during the offseason? Nope. There's no nope. way this is what they wanted, Steve, because they they should be embarrassed. This is embarrassing on all fronts on their part. So for maybe, oh, that you said, hey, the big brain plan that, oh, now the markets are competing for them. I don't think that this is how they wanted it to go. They got caught with their pants down of, hey, we're just going to take the money and, and figure it out what happens there. They didn't expect follow-up questions. It was so easy for them to get the money from the Nevada legislature that they didn't think it would be any follow-up questions. Yep. And most of Oakland gave up on asking them questions because the Oakland market doesn't cover them. The radio station there, one of them, the game gave up on them. So they haven't been really forced to answer questions, and now they're having answers to these things, and they, they just don't. They got nothing, man. Hit our text line, 364-1100, and you can hit the jackpot on ESPN Las Vegas. We're giving away $2,024 a day to start off the new year, 2024. That's right, $2,024. We're doing it every Monday through Friday. You text our secret code to 364-1100. The code word today is Martin, like Dean Martin. Martin, Martin, Martin. I say it oddly, M-A-R-T-I-N. Text that right now. Before 5 o'clock, and you are in the running to win. We're doing this every day. You can send in one text a day, qualify one time a day. It's $2,024. Again, the contest is open between 7A and 5P. The code word today is MARTIN. And if you are chosen as the winner with ESPN Las Vegas, you can win $2,024. Dent up the floor. Down one. Dent in the lane. Left hand is fouled. He scores. Wow, it looked like Colorado State was, was expecting New Mexico to call the timeout because they didn't get their back and get their defense set at all. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from Stadium Swim at Circa Las Vegas. Rolling towards uh, 340 spot with Xavier Pope. It's Cofield and Company on the road. You heard it. Stadium Swim. Damon, I know you were checking out the Rebel game last night, but were you keeping an eye on what was going on at the pit with New Mexico and Colorado State? Just following the score, but I didn't watch any of the action. Steve, how was it? Or did you even check it out? Because I know you were I, I was. I was trying to track it. Um, I didn't see that final basket. I knew something happened at the end because it was rapid fire with like 16 points in the final two minutes. Donovan Dent. Made such an awesome move coming up the court. And by the way, that is his third buzzer beater end of the game winning shot of this year, which, you know, we talk about UNLV season as a season of what ifs and a lot of close moments at the end of different games, like Loyola Marymount, 
like St. Mary's, you know, on final shots that went the wrong way. Donovan Dent has delivered them three wins that easily could have been losses and could have them in a position where they're like 65 in the net and they could very much be on the outside looking in. And what have I said, Damon, about the makeup of New Mexico that while Jalen House and Jamal Mashburn are really good, I I would bet you if we got a lie detector and asked Richard Pitino about who we'd like to have on the floor all the time, I think he would say Donovan Dent and true freshman, true Washington, and sometimes go away from Jalen House when he's playing good house, bad house, and he's bad house. Donovan Dent is awesome. He has been super clutch, and the reaction on the winning shot, that place exploded. Well, yeah, that's why they, that's why the pit is notoriously for being the toughest place to play in the Mountain West. But, Steve, something that's also surprising from that game, JT Toppin, not a big game. And we've seen, we've heard so much about him as say, is he going, is he going to be the freshman of the year in the conference? I'm surprised that not such a bad performance, but only five points, two of five shooting from the field. I'm not saying that they won the game, so obviously no harm, no foul there in his performance. But I'm just surprised by the low output that he had. Well, but DJ Thomas got some more rest in a blowout game against Air Force and finished with what uh, I think six points and and one assist. But he got his minutes limited, which was a good thing. Get him some rest, right? He's uh, bootgate. Let's go back to bootgate yeah, when he's wearing the, uh, the preventative boot uh, that he wears at times between games, but he got some rest. So if you were looking at head-to-head last night, both had um, ordinary games, we'll say, but most importantly, both teams won. Uh, Lady Rebels won last night. They went on the road. They take out Wyoming in Laramie, 23-2 and now, 13-1. and As I mentioned, the men won 72-43. We were up in Colorado Springs the last couple of days doing the shows uh, complete opposite. It, college basketball is amazing because you, you win this one 72-43. They lost the first one here at home 90-58. Uh, to 58. Um, In that game, Air Force was plus 6 in rebounding. In this game, UNLV was plus 25. And I'm telling you, um, one, height and athleticism helped a lot, but physicality was a big deal. Rob Whaley was freaking throwing around uh, Air Force Falcons. So it's almost like what he said that they needed to do yesterday in the keys to the game and that two-minute clip that you had with them. Yep. It was, they, they did exactly what he said. They weren't physical enough against Reno. They got pushed around by Reno. And then the other crazy thing is Air Force last night went 5-28 of 28 from three. The first game they went 14-28. So think about that. They, they were plus 27 behind the three-point line here. That's a, that's a major difference. But I'll give you the biggest factor. I thought Air Force looked tired down the stretch. And I forget who I was talking to the other day about on the road sometimes for Air Force can be an advantage because they don't have to do everything they have to do at home. You know, their daily work, which means getting up really early in the morning. A 9-10 local start mountain time, to me, is big advantage on a couple of fronts for the road team. One, against Air Force. The Air Force day is not like the UNLV day for the players, right? So UNLV can kind of take it easy during the day. They actually didn't practice. Kevin Kruger told us in the media that they didn't have a practice. They did a lot of classroom stuff a lot of studying, a lot of film work, instead of getting out there. He said sometimes they're better doing that than running through practice about what the opposition is going to do. And I I thought Air Force looked tired, um, which I want to examine later on when Brian Dutcher comes on. I think these late starts are awesome for the conference. To me, TV is everything, and you balance it with the local gate. But here's the deal. 
Damon, whether it was a 7.30 start, a 7 start, 8 o'clock, 8.30, or 9.10 Mountain Time, there still would have been 347 fans at Kloon Arena. It would not matter. So they're not, they're not getting killed at the gate. Now, I do, I do think it matters in other markets, uh, but what's more valuable overall for the conference? The late TV slot where you're the last game of the night and you have the hardcore college basketball audience fixated on your game, especially on a weeknight, or that local gate in the arena? Definitely the TV audience matters more. But, Steve, could it be something where you mentioned with the Air Force, does the quality of play matter? Would it be I, so, maybe if the coaches complained enough? Well, not complained, but maybe stated facts where the late game doesn't benefit us when it comes to the production that we're seeing on the court right. from our teams. Could the would, it matter, maybe, would it matter if Joe Scott said it? No. No. I mean, if seven guys said it and it was led by Leon Rice and Brian Dutcher and a couple others, maybe, but I still don't think it would matter. TV is everything. And as they, you know, shop their wares in a couple of years, and there's like seven platforms to go to, including possibly Netflix and Google and Apple and Amazon, you want to have a good TV product and you want to have ISO spots. The Pac-12 is going away, so the, the after dark stuff can belong to the Mountain West Conference. So I don't think they're going to turn back from here. Now, are they going to start at like 10 o'clock Mountain Time? No, but I think you're going to see a lot more 9 o'clock Mountain Time starts because of the benefit of TV. That's just the way it's going to work. And I don't know if you're a national level program, if you want to be a national level program and recruit nationwide, like about four of the programs want to do and can do, then that TV deal is a good thing. So the standings right now in the Mountain West Conference, Utah State's 10 and 4, Boise's 9 and 4, San Diego State has five losses in conference. They're 9 and 5, New Mexico's 9 and 5 after the win last night. Reno and UNLV are tied at 8 and 5. Do we want to play the what if game? <laughs> I love the what if game. In in conference, what if they could have held off CSU on the road? They hadn't collapsed ninety to fifty eight at home against Air Force. They hadn't lost a seven point lead in the final three minutes against Reno, and they hadn't had the five point play called against them against Utah State. Even if you split those games, you're sitting at ten wins. And if the Utah State game had you didn't have that call late. They'd be ahead of Utah State. So it's been it's been a bizarre season, but it is what it is now, right? So, again, I've repeated this all year. If you want to be a 12 or 13 win team, which they're not going to be a 13, 12 is a long shot. But if you want to be one of those elite teams, you don't lose to Air Force and you close out games. And for the most part, Boise State and San Diego State have been the teams that have done that in this conference. Yeah, Steve, in my mind, the team's 11-2 uh, and two in the conference. <laughs> well, my personal not, record books. It's not the case, uh, but I get it. I get it. I mean, I would, you know, look at games they've won that, you know, close games. The, the team on the other side could be like Boise could look at it, and when UNLV pulled away from them late to win the game, they could also look at it, and they are. It's funny, uh, B.J. Reigns, who is the guy in Boise who, uh, who covers Boise State basketball, uh, called the UNLV loss a bad loss for the NCAA tournament hopes of the Broncos, and that sounds really weird to UNLV fans, but from – a Ken Palm standpoint, a net standpoint, UNLV did jump up, I think, to 86 in the net from 94. And uh, BJ was saying, hey, if they get inside of 75, then it becomes a non-bad loss. But that's kind of a shocker to the system that with all the history and success up until the last 10 years or so that UNLV has had, that now Boise, the Boises of the world are looking at a UNLV loss as a bad loss. You want to text in 
364-1100. You want to comment on the show? 364-1100. And it's also a way to hit the jackpot on ESPN Las Vegas every day. We're giving away $2,024. you got to text the secret code. The daily code today is Martin, like Dean Martin, Martin, just Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N, 364-1100, Now back to Cofield & Company, live from Circa Resort and Casino. Damon is the company back in the Finley Toyota studios. 364-1100 is the text line to comment on the show. Also get in on our daily 2024 cash giveaway. Uh, you want to text in the code word Martin, Lake Dean Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N. We're all set up here at Stadium Swim. We're about, uh, I don't know, about six minutes away from giving away some college baseball tickets. All right, Damon, I have no idea what's going on here, but you uh, sent over a message. We have a couple of things to hit in MMA before we talk to Xavier Pope. Francis Ngannou on the edge of being involved in some very big boxing matches is going to fight MMA again? Uh, yes, he when he signed his boxing contract, when he signed with the PFL, it was known that, hey, go do a couple of boxing fights, and then when you're ready you're going to be able to fight in the PFL. And they were try trying to make a super division because maybe the heavyweight division wasn't stacked enough for Francis Ngannou, but they've decided he is going to be fighting for their heavyweight championship. He's going to be fighting the winner of the unification title fight, if you have it, with Renan... F oh, man, I'm going to butcher the name. Ferreira versus Ryan Bader. He's from Bellator okay. and Ryan Bader, the wow. PFL champion, heavyweight champion. So, and the winner, or the loser in some people's in some people's minds, is going to be taking on Francis Francis Ngannou. So you could have Ryan Bader, and I don't know what he weighs in at heavyweight, but what does he weigh in at two thirty? Around there, Ryan Bader might fight. I mean, I guess he's going to fight Francis Ngannou. I mean, I guess if he gets him down and he and he fights a sort of lay and pray. He could probably beat him, but uh, a stand-up battle, I'm not so sure that Bader wants to engage in that one. All right, so that's coming up. Uh, UFC 300 was announced, and I completely missed it. Is there a reason that I missed it? Because we've been waiting for this announcement. This is their big card. Obviously, it's you know, 100, 200, 300, a massive, massive events. 100 and 200 were just chock full of stars. It was amazing. You'd have, like, the ace fight feature, some big-name fighters. The main event for this card is... Alex Perea, the UFC light heavyweight champion, taking on former UFC light heavyweight champion who had to relinquish the title due to injury, Jamal Hill. And people are not happy, Steve. Um, well, there was a lot of buildup for this. Obviously, expectations are high because it's UFC 300. I'm sure Dana White's reaction to anyone criticizing his card will say, don't watch, mm -hmm. which I don't know if that's always the proper... Response, um, generally when cards are greeted with apathy, they turn out to be awesome cards. But this one's a little different. Even if it does turn out to be a card where there's, you know, seven of 12 slobber knockers isn't part of the, I mean, I guess the argument could be, hey, man, fight fans, fight card. You know, we don't need all those casual fans, but they do, right? I mean, they want to have casual fight fans come in. Where are all the big names and the veteran fighters who have built this thing, we'll say in this era, the modern era of the UFC, over the last 23 years? They, they, t they 
the UFC does too too good of a job of stacking their pay-per-views is the problem, Steve. And maybe not building up those stars, those household names of years past. Because with this fight here, I think that too many people, of everything that they could have presented the fans, nothing was going to get that holy bleep reaction that people wanted. If you look at who could have been available, maybe Leon Edwards, the welterweight champion. I don't think any fight that they could have presented, even if it's Hamza Chimaev, if he could if he could have made 170. I still don't, maybe that would have left people just, ah, but is it 300 worthy? Because of how anticipated this card is, the hype that Dana White has put behind it. So it really, he worked himself into a shoot, as they would say in wrestling. Because the people, they wanted it so bad. And then no matter what they gave him, the crowd was going to go mild for it. Because it's not gonna, it's impossible to live up to the expectations. And Conor McGregor, I think, was never gonna be on this card. Yeah, that's the problem. We finally got to the real problem here is Conor McGregor should be on this card, but Conor McGregor um, will not get off his current fitness regimen, if you know what I'm saying, and be eligible to test. He's dragged his feet on that, and as a result, he keeps announcing he's gonna fight at these different dates. And I know behind the scenes, UFC's like, you are going into our testing system. You can't come in all hopped up. That's just not possible. Giveaway time. 364-1100, We've got a college baseball tournament coming into town. Yeah, round robin. 2024 Las Vegas College Baseball Classic played at LV Ballpark. Two games per day. It starts up tomorrow, the first through the third. Oklahoma, Pitt, Ohio State, and Cal are in this thing. You can get your tickets at MILB.com, MILB.com. We've got a pair right now for the – Las Vegas College Baseball Classic Caller 7364-1100. Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield and Company. This is connecting with black America because they love sneakers. They're into sneakers. They love the, you know, this is a big deal, certainly in, in the inner city. So when you have Trump roll out his sneaker line, they're like, wait a minute, this is cool. He's reaching them on a level that defies and is above politics. The culture always trumps politics. But he's got to be the shoes. Xavier Pope is in. Uh, you hear one of the guests on uh, Fox News talking about sneakers and talking about an entire community there. That was uh, Ray Arroyo. Xavier Pope and Damon are with us. It's Cofield Stadium Swim on this Thursday. Well, I'll just throw it to you guys. Uh, you guys like sneakers, right? I love sneakers, uh, Steve. Uh, who doesn't <laughs> love sneakers? That's why it's a billion-dollar enterprise that people wear to run, to play basketball, to play tennis, to golf, uh, to do a variety of different sports uh, or leisurely activities. Um, that is not exclusive to the African-American community. Um, there is a culture of sneakers and, and sneaker heads, but that extends across culture, actually across international borders that takes place all across the world. Uh, to center out African Americans and talk about they love sneakers and that's going to drive their politics. It piles them and reduces them to very simple terms. It's cartoonishly racist. Damon, do you like sneakers? To be honest, not really. And to be when I see <laughs> clips of Let's say the hype beast, the sneaker hoarders, the resellers, they're white people. Wait, are these uh, being are these being hoarded and resold already? I mean, they're fine-looking sneakers. Maybe from, not uh, the DJT. Trump sneakers. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. They're who... fine-looking sneakers, Steve. <laughs> because they're gold and they have a American flag on them. Um, I'm very patriotic. I, I, uh, I guess patriotic, <laughs> uh, Rocky Four, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I doubt African Americans are going to see past the blatant racism that people talk to them in turn, also the politics that have gripped the country to be able to go out and then vote because of shoes. And also, they're not so even free. So no. Why would anyone... <laughs> so, so, so Raymond Arroyo may not be an expert on this subject. Um, I will tell you this, not to take a shot at him for his appearance, because he looked good on this appearance. Um, he appeared to have some serious spray-on uh, black-colored hair. I'm having issues with the uh, the monk's patch in the back. Do I go with the spray-on hair for uh, future TV appearances? What do you think, Xavier? Hey, why not? As uh, long as you keep temperature to reasonable degrees, so it's not uh, Rudy Giuliani in space, yes. then go for it. I, 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 as a man who's blessed with amazing follicles, um, I don't have to make those type of decisions. Uh, but for those who are follically challenged, uh, go ahead at it. Did you uh, have you been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm? Uh, the new season, I've not seen it. I've been a okay. religious watcher of the show since the very beginning. I need to jump in. I'm behind, Steve. I need to get in there. You need to watch it. I'm not going to spoil it for you or anyone else, but there is a uh, topic in one of the episodes where some hair gone bad happens. You're right. You need to stay cool. I'll just I'll leave it at that. Xavier Pope is with us here on Cofield & Company on this Thursday. All right. I got some important stuff to hit, but I think this one's an interesting one. Is it enough just to be part of a legendary game when EA 25 comes out, they bring back college football with the players included? Is it enough just to be part of history, to be in this thing, to make it worth just 600 bucks? The, all the players will get, more than 11,000 players can opt in. This is an NIL deal. They'll get $600 and a copy of the game. Uh, I think that that's the reason why collective bargaining by college athletes it still needs to come on the table because um, obviously someone has skipped them from 600 bucks, but and the same across the board, and no matter what their actual value might be to the game, is it, it, frankly an insult. Uh, <laughs> um, and so there still shows there's still a long way to go in terms of being able to applicably compensate players for their value to intellectual property. Xavier, we talked about this to start the show, but I want to get your thoughts on it. Tim Anderson, $5 million. Are you surprised that the White Sox are letting him go or that that's all it took to get him? I'm a little bit surprised. One of my buddies said some, some stats in uh, talking about the value of Tim Anderson. And kind of that fight kind of took a lot out of how he was perceived uh, in, in the league. But uh, it, it was, hey, he was, uh, it, uh, he was a career 282 hitter. Um, and then other players... Uh, Brandon Nemo on the Mets has the same comp as Tim Anderson, and you could argue Anderson is more productive in signing an uh, eight-year, uh, $162 million deal. Uh, I, I, I think that I was surprised. A couple years ago, you would have thought someone like Tim Anderson would have been more on the market value in terms of where he is now than what he looks like on the market. So it, I was surprised to see that. Yeah, also it seems that baseball baseball teams just don't value having a cool guy on the roster. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to sell tickets, but he at least – help the coolness of your team something else that you are agreeing with me on jj rig is a national treasure is what you tweeted out what do you think that he's changing or he's going to make 
debate sports television better with the out with the outset that he's taking on it? Well, here's the thing: JJ Reddick is one of the smartest guys out there, and I think he's he's not a person who, to me, he plays a stick. I think he's you know he he called on his former coach, uh, Doc Rivers, uh, and him being a fault for that team, and him being duplicitous in how he approaches how he what he speaks about his players and himself. Um, I think that he has no problem calling anyone out. I think he. Um, he was on, on, uh, talking about Shannon Sharp. He was uh, he, Shannon Sharp was leaning into Larry Bird and Magic Johnson in terms of being faces of the league after LeBron James and being family men and put them up. And JJ Reddick, JJ Reddick immediately made this really crazy face and laugh like, "Come on!" And I just think that he's someone that you can reliably show that he's not just going to be an angry sports guy, but he's going to bring some thinking to the to, to, to sports talk. So I, I, I like the guy. Xavier Pope is with us on Cofield and Company. Uh, but there were some folks who do work on the Embrace Debate platforms who said they're annoyed. If you're going to work on this platform, don't smear and smack around this platform. Can you do it but also be critical and say, hey, I'd like to do higher brow stuff while being on that platform? What, what type of company would you be if you did not allow for the employees to be able to make, maybe make it better? And they're not gonna, you're not going to always agree with what's being said. Um, I, I, I have no problem with being criticized in a way, shape, or form about some of the things that I said. Um, I think that how you do it, obviously, there's, that's extremely important. You use fact-driven analysis and also um, be respectful of how you produce uh, criticizing me. But I think that that's completely open. This is America. I think that people should have the right to be able to crit- criticize the platform they're on, even if they don't agree with everything. Let's go back to Tim Anderson, because part of the open of the show today was – while we've been very hard on the A's for being hard on us, and that means uh, there's no flow of information for Las Vegas. We have no idea what the hell's going on, where they're going to be in the interim before they get here, and if they're actually going to show us some sort of rendering of the stadium that they're using our money for. Um, the Anderson thing is interesting because the A's are basically claiming now because of an uncertain future, it's very hard to go out and sign free agents. But like you're the ones who created the uncertain future, and what they're doing repeatedly and we warned everyone about this. I, I, will, I will forever, if this turns into a, an absolute S show, I will forever, and I rarely do this, stand here and go, we told you. We stood up as a show and said some of this stuff is going to happen because it's a weird ownership group. And something happened today. I don't know if you guys know this, but the community of Oakland has put together a fan fest. It's an Oakland baseball fan fest. It's not an A's fan fest. Xavier goes down on Saturday, and they're expected to have big crowds. Well, they had a brewery that was one of the sponsors were two days out. That brewery decided to drop out. And there are a lot of people in Oakland claiming, hey, you know what? The A's effed with us and got this brewery to back out. And it's that kind of stuff where you're like, wait, we're investing in the state of Nevada, into baseball, into the A's, and this is the kind of stuff they may do to us as well? Uh, I think it's a mess. And Steve, I, I applaud you. you. You've said this over and over again. You criticize every step in the project, process, the legislative process. So uh, some of the duplicitous nature and how it's been presented, and how how the move has gone, and then now you have the mayor. Uh, it, it it it's been so many different things that go up in the air that you really don't know what the what the what the future is. And also, how does that impact the value of the team itself? Uh, and then how it impacts. Of the relationship with the different fans and the different bases that it that, that they are they are there. But at the end of the day, 
Um, the team is going to probably wind up in Vegas. It's still going to be a mess how it happens. It may, be, it may happen later than sooner. But one way or another, after all the, the, the smoke clears, that's where the team is going to find itself. I know, I know, but I, I think if you're on the ground, there's some weird things happening. And I'll give you one of them. So a couple weeks ago during Super Bowl week, Carolyn Goodman, the mayor of Las Vegas, where I am right now, downtown Las Vegas at Circa Las Vegas, she said she didn't understand why they're coming. They should stay in Oakland. And I'll tell you, there was some serious ageism going on because people were like, oh, she's a doddering old fool. No one cares. She was right in what she said. And I want to turn it to your city, right? Because if – Cities are going to invest hundreds of millions of dollars in a stadium. The deal better be right. The sport better be respectful. The commissioner better be respectful. It better be a good deal. And in your case, you now have Jerry Reinsdorf starting to suggest here, uh, one, we would like a billion dollars to build this project. Two, uh, nudge, nudge, hey, if I don't do it, they may move. I am calling out the people of Chicago because we didn't do what we were supposed to do on the ground here in Nevada. I'm calling out people in Chicago to tell Jerry Reinsdorf, you know what? No. You're not getting money. You want to leave? Leave. Leave. Here's the thing. How did the, the stadium that's now 35 years old even got to Chicago in the first place is that the White Sox threatened to move to, 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 to Florida, and that's yep. how eventually a stadium was built, which wound up ultimately becoming Tropicana Field, whether it's Tampa Bay Race Play. So – so this is something that's happened in the history of the city. So this, this is what comes along with the White Sox, is that they really did put in, themselves in a position to leave the city. And so the city of Chicago, the residents, they don't want any team to even leave the city boundaries. So any sports team in terms of the politics of the city has the fans on lock in a way oh that maybe God. fans are Oakland and Vegas don't. Sorry, city. They're not, they're not leaving Chicago! A top five they're market not. to go to what? To what? Go to Louisville? <laughs> they're not leaving. I'm telling you, Steve, they won't leave Chicago. But uh. it's just what sports owners have that much power over the fans here, Steve, that they can yeah. milk them for every dime. Just what happened in, in the last election, it impacted the election in terms of how people viewed the mayor. This new mayor came in and said, hey, you want to move this new plot to 78? I'm all for it. I'm jumping right in it from the very beginning of any first rumor, any whisper about what's going on. It's so crazy. Damon, Xavier Pope, Cofield. Damon, what do you want to hit? Just real quick, Xavier. Justin Fields, him unfollowing the Chicago Bears on social media. No big deal, right? It is It is a big deal when you have potentially this, this team maybe trading for Justin Fields. This happens a lot before players leave teams. There hasn't been any real confidence put that Justin Fields is the future of the Chicago Bears franchise. I don't know what maybe any rumblings may be happening underneath the surface, but when he was talk, when he interviewed about it, he pretty much demurred on the topic and said, I want to get away from sports for a little while. Uh, the draft is right around the corner, buddy. Uh, you can't get away from this job being the face of a franchise. Sorry. Now you don't have the space for it, Justin Fields. I don't believe it. Xavier Pope up on Cofield and Company here live at Circle Las Vegas. Uh, by the way, what's it like in Chicago right now? Because it's uh, about 67 and sunny here. <laughs> I mean, we're right behind you, buddy. I mean, we're All right, right. 50 to 65 degrees yesterday. It's going to be almost 70 next week. So whatever the groundhog was supposed to do, thanks, Puxatani. It is nice in America. All right. Uh, let me get your take on this one, both uh, Damon and Xavier. I don't know if you guys saw what Jason Williams has been talking about, Jay Will, saying that Caitlin Clark is not an all-time great. She just set the all-time scoring record for 
women's college basketball, he said she's not an all-time great, and many others are not all-time greats because he's tying it to winning championships. I'm actually kind of okay with that on a lot of fronts. Do you hate that? Uh, I, I don't necessarily like it. I mean, if you are able to put up a bunch of points, you should be considered one of the greatest of what you do. I mean, it's, it's not as if Caitlin Clark is a general manager or a coach or someone who is running teams on that level. It's just college sports, and so you have to look at individuals. There are plenty of great players that were at a certain level at the college at the college game because of how the college game is played. So you got to put her up there. I mean, the people have to have a take. Go ahead, Jay. Will have at it. I agree with them as well, especially in that sport specifically, women's college basketball, where the greats they get it done. A lot of the greats they win a, they win at least one national champion. Why do you say that sport? Because if we're comparing her to the greats in women's college basketball, if you look at Amaya Moore, a Candace Parker, a Brittany Griner, all basically every woman from UConn, they've won a national championship. Asia Wilson. Well, Demond, you have to look at also the other players on those teams too. They those teams that they were with weren't just those players. Those teams that they were on were stacked. And the women's college basketball is really top heavy. You got pretty much three, two to three programs are better than light years better than every other program in the country. So why didn't she go to one of those programs instead of being? I'll, I'll go hot take artist here. I'll go embrace debate. Is she selfish for going to a place where she can average 33 points a game and she chose that over winning titles? I mean, this, this, is, this person is what is barely old enough to drink. Uh, I, I'm not going to judge her from going to where she might want to go to to benefit herself and, and put up some points. I mean, I gotcha. maybe she's looking back to look at it, but that's kind of how I feel. I got gotcha. you. Uh, did you see DeMond's uh, viewing list from The Ringer to uh, – that list of the top 10 streaming shows right now, are you on any of those shows? Are you watching any of the shows? Did you see this list? What's the top, what's the, what's in the top three? Damon, what's in the top three on, on your list? Because I'm watching like six of them. Well, I'll tell you what's number one for one, me. One was Curb. Well, what's on the list? Mr. and Mrs. Smith on Amazon. Check it out. Okay. Donald I've heard, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Um, I'm definitely going to watch Curb. So, um... So that's what I'm going to do. So you, I mean, you're, you're hitting two for two in terms of what my viewing uh, potential is right now. I'd also throw right, in Xavier. That, oh, no, it's not on the list, but Warrior on Netflix. Wow. Another one I've heard of good things about as well. Okay, Devon. Okay, Devon yeah. with the great <laughs> up, 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 up the pipe. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Uh, Xavier, we're up against it. Love you, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Love you guys. Love you more. Uh, top five on this list, uh, True Detective, Night Country, watch that. Haven't seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith yet. Curb, watch that. Abbott Elementary, got to get back on that. And Masters of the Air, I'll explain on the way back that I'm working towards that. Uh, TV philosophy takes a lot of work, Demond.